You are listening to Venture Church Podcast. For more information, visit jointheventure.com or facebook.com slash jointheventure. We hope you enjoy. Conversations are super simple. Like you haven't seen a buddy in a while and, and you've all of a sudden you see him and the next thing you know, you've talked about the last amount of time since you've seen each other. If it's been three years or 10 years or 30 minutes, you're like, oh, let's catch up. Let's figure this out. And you just jump right into that conversation. Uh, maybe you've got really good news. When you've got great news, if you've got a promotion or a new job or you got engaged or your wife is pregnant or something like that. No, mom. No. Just hold on. It's not happening. I saw her go. Um, but you have really good news and it's just easy to just jump right in with it. Um, maybe it's really easy to start a conversation because it doesn't really matter what you're talking about. You know, you're just like, oh, so how's the weather? How's it going? You know, whatever. And it's just super easy. Other times, though, conversations are really tough to start. Other times you try to start a conversation with somebody and you're just like, I, okay, and, and you're trying to figure it out. Um, I was thinking about different tough conversations in my life. And I, I remember one of those conversations was that the last conversation I had with my dad. And uh, he, he got sick. He uh, went in the hospital with pneumonia. He was there for three weeks, and it turned into cancer. And then that was it. Um, and they took him off life support for one day in that three weeks. And I was able to talk to him and, about his salvation. But it took forever to get started because I didn't know. And it was tough because I didn't really want to know because there was nothing I could do about it in that moment. I think about other tough conversations. Um, I didn't mean to get so somber there. Uh, but another tough conversation was uh, when I talked to Ashley, my wife, uh, when I talked to her dad about us getting married. Um, Brian and I have a great relationship. He loves me like a son. He, he thinks the world of me. But I had to tell him that I was going to take his beautiful daughter and move hours and hours away from him. And he would get to see her a whole lot less. And I was there visiting their house one day. And uh, Brian's like, I'm going to go pick up some pizzas for supper. And I was like, I'll, I'll, let me ride with you. And so we get in the car. And I figure this is a safe place because he's got both hands on the steering wheel. He's one of those 10 and 2 guys. He can't choke me. He can't kick me. He can't, you know, nothing bad can happen while we're in the car. So we're riding, and it's only like 15 minutes to go get the pizzas. And um, I'm sitting there going, all right, well, how, how, do I, <laughs> how do I start this? Like, do I just jump in with both feet? All right, I love your daughter, and we're getting married. And there's nothing you can do about it. No, I, or do I, like, try and pump Brian up? It's like, Brian, you, you've been working out. You've been lifting those fry boxes at Chick-fil-A. I, I didn't know how to start it. Now, obviously, it happened. Uh, we had the conversation, Ashley and I got married, which has really only led to more difficult conversations that I'm going to have to have. Because Ashley and I have now had three children, and uh, two boys and a girl, and one day, I, as their dad, I'm going to have to sit down and explain to my kids exactly where they came from. And I don't know that I'm ever going to be ready for that. That is a tough conversation that I don't think I want to have. That's the way it goes sometimes, though. Some conversations are easy. And some are tough to get started. Right now we're in the middle of a teaching series called Conversations with Jesus. Real talks with real people. And as I was trying to figure out what it was that I wanted to share about this, 
what it was that I could bring to your plate to let you know, hey, we can do this, that I can bring some insight, some, some measure of intelligence to you. The one thing that kept hitting me over the head was, hey, I'm real people too. And so are you guys. We're real people. What do we have to do to start that real conversation with Jesus? What do we have to do to have that real interaction like the people that we've been talking about from the scriptures? Because I think when you really look at it on the scale of is it an easy conversation to start or a tough conversation to start, that conversation with Jesus is going to fall on the tough side more often than not. So how do we start that conversation? Well, here at Venture, we like to look to the Bible for the answers to life's most important questions. And I think this is one of those. How do we start a conversation with Jesus? Now, I'm going to admit that there are loads of ways to start conversations. I mean, if you go and Google conversation starters and icebreakers, like you're going to get book after book and page after page and list after list of ways that you can do it. Everything from just saying hi to really complicated stories that get you, I don't know. I, I did a bunch of reading and it just didn't work. But what I want to do is I want to look at the scriptures. I want to look in the Bible. I want to look at some people that started conversations with Jesus and see what we can glean from that. See what we can learn from how they did it to see how we can do it. So we're going to be in Mark chapter 5. Uh, Mark is one of those uh, gospels. Um, it's the first four books of the New Testament where it goes through and it tells us all about Jesus as he lived and breathed and walked on this earth. Um, it's really good stuff in Mark. Um, and in Mark chapter 5, we've got some really cool things happening. If you've got a Bible, uh, you can go ahead and turn to Mark 5. We're going to be pretty much there the whole time. Uh, if you don't have a personal Bible, there's some under your chairs. You can grab one of those and turn to Mark 5 or you can use your, bio, or your phone. Uh, or it's going to be up on the screen here in just a minute. But it's really important to, to see these words, to know what's going on with them. But in Mark chapter 5, we start off with uh, Jesus being in the area of the Gerizines. And he heals a man of, of demons, cast out demons from him. And the guy's like, hey, Jesus, I'm going to go with you. Jesus is like, no, you go over here and tell everybody what happened and how good God is. And I'm going to go across the lake. And so Jesus gets in a boat and crosses the lake. By the time he gets to the other side of the lake, there's already a crowd waiting for him. And this is where we're going to pick up in Mark chapter 5, verse 22. It says, Then a leader of the local synagogue, and, and what that is, is a, it's the Jewish church. It's where they would go to worship. And so this guy was a, an elder or a rabbi or something like that, that he did something important in the Jewish church. Um, the leader of the local synagogue, whose name was uh, Jairus, arrived. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Now I want you to look at what Jairus did here. I want you to see what this father did. He was there at his house. He was sitting with his little girl and he sees that she is dying. He sees that there's nothing else that, that he can do right there in that place. He sees that she is dying and he gets up. And he runs out of the house. And he goes to find this man who's been roaming the countryside for a couple of months, healing people. 
And he goes and he finds Jesus. He, he sees he has a problem. And so he gets up and he goes and finds Jesus. Friends, what Jairus did here was the most important step, the first step that you have to do to have a conversation with somebody. He went to where the person was that he wanted to have a conversation with. He he went to where Jesus was. He went and found Jesus. Do you know how hard it is to have a conversation with somebody that isn't there? Hey, John, how's it going? I know, it's, it's... Crazy, all these people are just staring at me like I'm, like I'm an idiot. Because, because John's not here. You just look crazy when you try to talk to somebody that's not there. And, and don't get me wrong, I know that you're sitting there going, Patrick, you're the tech guy. You, you know that in my cell phone I can text and I can Skype and I can FaceTime and I can call and I can do all these different things. I can Facebook Messenger. I can do all this stuff. I can have a conversation with somebody that's not here. Well, here's my question for you. Is it the same? Is it the same when you send somebody a text message? I was going to look and show you a bunch of misinterpreted text, and I found this quote and said, I'm going to show you this instead. Uh, this is what somebody said about texting. It says, texting is a brilliant way to miscommunicate how you feel and misinterpret what other people are saying. And you know it's true. You've gotten those texts that you're like, I don't know if they are absolutely enthralled with this idea or they think it's the worst one ever because it's in all caps. I, I, don't, know. I, I don't know what this means. Why are they yelling at me? And then you realize that your mom just hit the button twice and she didn't know how to turn it off. But it happens and it just misinterprets everything because there's nothing better when you're talking about something important than sitting down face to face with somebody. Sitting down over a meal or over a cup of coffee. Sitting down at the beach and just enjoying the the breeze that's coming off the ocean and seeing their reactions immediately. Seeing the way their body moves, seeing the way that they're looking at you or looking off in the distance, because even that can tell you so much about what's happening. And that's what Jairus did. He went out and he found Jesus. He went to where Jesus was. So to start this conversation with Jesus, what we've got to first do is go to where he is. And you're looking at me kind of like a deer in the headlights because it's, well, how do you do that? How do you go to where Jesus is, to start a real conversation? What does it even mean to go where Jesus is? Well, let me give you a couple of ideas, a couple of areas, a couple of places that you can look at to go where Jesus is. And the first is very simple. That's why I wanted you to get a Bible in your hand or or to be really focused on the screen. Because spending time in the Word of God is going where Jesus is. There is a deep connection between that written Word And Jesus himself. In fact, in the Gospel of John, John starts off by telling us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And through the Word, everything was created. And then later in the chapter, in verse 14, this is what he says. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we beheld, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. When we get into studying the Bible and spending time in the Word, making it a present part of our life, we're getting closer to who Jesus is. We're learning more about Him. Have you ever been in a relationship? Uh, I know there's lots of engaged people in the room today. Holler out to you guys. Some of them very new. Congratulations. Don't you want to spend time with that person? 
Don't you, aren't you ready to get to know them so much better? Aren't you ready to live your life with them so you can learn all the nuances? You know, don't talk to Ashley about it. She'll tell you about the, the bad stuff that I do that she didn't know about before. But it's okay. Because the more you spend time with them, the more you can know them. The more you know them, the more you can love them. Even through those things like leaving their socks on the floor right beside the clothes hamper. It happens. It's hard to pick them up. But that's what you got to do with Jesus. You got to get in his presence, get in his word, get spending time with him, get studying who he is. Because then you'll love him more and you'll want to do it more. It's, it's cyclic. It'll, it'll keep going. So that's the first thing you got to do to get close to Jesus, to go to where he is, is get in his word, read about who he is, spend time with him. But you can also spend time with Jesus by spending time in fellowship with other believers which is really just a fancy way of saying hanging out with other people that love Jesus too. That's what fellowship is. It's getting together with other people that love Jesus and just being with them. Because when people are seeking Jesus out and you get around them, you're going to want to seek Jesus out as well. You're going to want to hang out with Jesus more because of the people you're around wanting to hang out with Jesus. And that's, that's a beautiful thing. In fact, Jesus talks about this idea in himself in Matthew chapter 18. He says, where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. When you start spending time with other people who are seeking to be more like Christ, you're hanging out with Jesus. You're getting primed to start that conversation. You're getting ready to do that thing that is so difficult to do. To start the conversation and get the ball rolling. So to start the conversation, we've got to go to where Jesus is. And, and Jairus does this. He goes and finds Jesus. And, and I want to read a little bit more of this story because I think we can see that Jairus has got it going in the right direction. Uh, verse 24, Jesus went with him and all the people followed, crowding around him. So this is awesome. Jairus goes and finds Jesus, says, Jesus, let's start this conversation. And Jesus says, all right, let's do it. Let's go heal your daughter. Let's go right now. Let's not wait. Let's go. Things are going wonderful for Jairus. But then as happens so many times in our lives, especially if you're a parent, especially if you're a dad, they're about to have something change because they're getting ready to be interrupted. Now, I know Chris already did it, but it's already in my notes, so I'm going to do it too. My kids have this uncanny ability that no matter who I'm talking to, no matter what conversation I'm having, it can be the most important conversation that has ever happened. They know how to come up and just go, daddy, tug right here, daddy, daddy. But my kids are polite. So it's, excuse me, excuse me, daddy, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, daddy, daddy, excuse me, daddy, daddy, excuse me. And sometimes I actually got to be like, Patrick, just answer them. But I do. And sometimes I look right at them. You know, the whole thing, Chris, said, it's all true. I'm just going to echo what he said. But you, you look at him and you say, all right, what's up? And then they just they tell you something sweet or they just run away. <laughs> but they tug on your leg and they say, daddy, daddy. Check this out. Mark chapter 5, verse 25. A woman in the crowd who had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal for many doctors. Over the years, she had spent everything that she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. So she heard about Jesus. She came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. Right there. Daddy. Daddy. Can you see the, the beauty 
of that. Let me tell you, it works. When my kids start tugging on my leg and start saying, Daddy, 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 I'm going to answer them eventually. It works. I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to see what they've got going on. And it works for this lady here in this moment. She starts this conversation with Jesus right here. Keep reading verse 28. For she thought to herself, if I can only touch his robe, I will be healed. And immediately the bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body that she had been healed from her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that the healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around to the crowd and said, who touched me? He's in a great big crowd of people. Who touched me? Who did that? And the disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. And then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell on her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Did you catch that? This lady started a life-changing conversation with Jesus by reaching out to touch him. By, by reaching out to say, Daddy. By, by reaching out to him to just, to just touch him. That's all she wanted to do. Just reach towards him and touch him. And it completely changed her life. Now, friends, I realize that Jesus is not bodily in this world anymore. That we can't physically reach out and touch him. But I think we can pull a point, a, a principle from this lady's actions. That sometimes to start the conversation... We've got to reach out to him. Sometimes to start the conversation, we've got to take a step of action in faith towards Jesus to get it going. Sometimes to start the conversation, you've got to go, hey, how's it going? Take a step of action. I don't know what that step is for you. Maybe you've already got a step in mind. Maybe there's something that's been itching at the back of your thoughts that's been sitting there going, just do it. Just do it. Just do it. You can do it. Just step up. Just take the action. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. And it's just over and over again. It's constantly coming back at you, constantly coming back saying, just just do it. And I don't know what that is for you. But I bet you know. But you know exactly what it is. But maybe for you, the the biggest step that you can take right now is to go ahead and decide today where you're going to be next Sunday at 10 o'clock. That you're going to give us another chance. That you're going to listen to to one more message. That you're going to hear one more set of songs sung in worship to God and about God. Maybe that's the step you've got to take. Or maybe the step that's there for you is so much more deep and personal than anything I could ever come up with from the stage. Dealing with drugs or alcohol or addiction or immorality. I don't know. I can't hit it. But you know what it is and you know the action you got to take and maybe it scares you, but that's okay. Because this step of action to start the conversation isn't about being perfect. It's about getting started. It's about taking a step towards Jesus to say, I'm here and I want to talk to you. I'm here and I want to have a real conversation. So we have to go where Jesus is. And we have to take a step of action to get the conversation started.
But I want to share the rest of the story with you. That's, that's really the point about starting the conversation right there. But I want to share the rest of this message with you because the story gets crazy after this. And there's a great lesson that we can learn. Let's look at verse 35. While he was still speaking to her. So he gets interrupted on the way to go to the house. He gets interrupted. And while he's still speaking to the lady, messengers come from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, and they told him, your daughter is dead. There's no reason to trouble the teacher now. Your daughter is dead. And Jesus overheard them. In fact, in the the Greek there, that word could actually be translated ignored them and said, don't be afraid, just have faith. Now imagine you're Jairus. Imagine you've gone to the person that can solve your problem. You're there. He's come to solve the problem. He's like, I got this. We're going to go. And then somebody stops you along the way. And then the problem solves itself in the most negative way. With the death of your 12-year-old daughter. How would you feel right then? But Jesus says, don't be afraid. Just have faith. Wow. Just just have faith. It's such a small word, but it has such huge meaning. I mean, what does faith mean anyway? I want to help you out. I'm going to do a little bit of math because we're in a school. It's good to do uh, arithmetic. Here you go. Faith equals belief plus action. Faith equals belief plus action. Faith is believing so strongly in something that you're willing to do something about it. Faith is believing that Jesus, when you start that conversation with him, that it can change your life. Faith is knowing that no matter what happens, God is good. And living your life in a way that shows that. Belief plus action. Because here's the thing. When we take our problems to Jesus, we're taking them to the expert. We're taking them to the one that knows how to solve everything. When I was a kid, I would go fishing with my dad, and I, I love fishing. I, I mean, it's one of those things that I do, and I just enjoy it, but I'm an awful fisherman. Like, I, I catch like four fish a year, and they're all penfish. And it's okay, because I really enjoy being out there, because it reminds me of times I spent with my mom and my dad when I was growing up. But my dad had this ability because he was an expert fisherman because he did it a lot and he enjoyed it and he was good at it. But he knew when you were fishing exactly where to throw his pole, exactly where to throw the hook, exactly how deep to be, what bait to use. Every like just bloop, here's a fish, and then over here, oh, there's another one, and then, and that's what he would do. So when I was with him, he would say, "Throw your pole over here." I was all right, that's cool, I'll do it, and I would catch fish. When you take your problems to Jesus, it's taking them to the expert. It's taking them to the one that knows how to solve them, the one that knows how to pull them up. Even those problems that to you and your brain are impossible to solve, that you cannot see a solution that would be amiable for anyone, Jesus knows the answer that will be best for you. Jesus knows the answer that will be best for everyone. Listen to what Paul says about Jesus to the Ephesians. He says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine, according to the power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. 
the one who's able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. Friends, how big is your God? How big is the God that you have faith in? Can he do more than you could even imagine that he can do? Because my God can. Immeasurably more. So much more that I can't even imagine how much more it is than he can do than I can imagine. That's how big God is. And when we start that conversation with him, it gets the ball rolling. It gets the problem sorted. Maybe not today and maybe not tomorrow. Maybe it's not until we get on the other side of this life. But he knows the answer. And so there's Jairus having been stalled. His daughter lying dead at home. Who knows how far away. And Jesus says, don't worry. Just have faith. Don't be afraid. Just have faith. Let's finish reading up this, this, this chapter. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except for Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw how much commotion and we, he saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead, only asleep. And the crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave. And he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. And holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And the little girl, who was 12 years old, immediately stood up and walked around. And they were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Because God can do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. Friends, we've got to start this conversation with Jesus to know his power. To get it started, we've got to go to where he is. We've got to spend time in his word. We've got to spend time with his people. And we've got to take a step of action and faith towards him. We've got to reach out to him and to touch him. But today, I want to give you one more bit of knowledge about a conversation with Jesus. And that's once you get started let him work. Once you give it up to Jesus, let him have it. A couple weeks ago, I went to a, a conference down in Florida, and I got to hear Max Lucado speak. And, and it was really cool because, you know, I'd read some of his books, but I never really thought much of the guy. But he's an amazing speaker. And, and he did this one thing that I want to share with you today. Maybe this is the step of action for you to take, that it's letting go of what's going on. So here's what I want you to do, if you're willing. Lay out your hand palm up. And I want you to start throwing all those dead things in your life on your palm of your hand. All of your anxiety, all of your stress, all of your fear, all of your hate. And then I want you to just, when it's there, when you feel the weight of it, just start squeezing it. Just start holding on to it and squeeze it as tight as you can because that's what we're doing so often is we're holding on to these things that are just pulling us down, just weighing us down. But I want you to know when you let go, you can feel the release. Are you got it? Are you holding it tight? Just let it go. Do you feel that? Do you feel it go away from you? Do you feel it lift up? When we give it to Jesus and let him work, he can do more than we ever ask or imagine. Now, maybe right then you didn't feel anything, and that's okay. It, it's completely all right if that didn't do anything for you. Maybe your step is different. But I challenge you to find out what it is.
Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much that you want to be in conversation with us. That you want to have real talks with real people, even right here, right now, today. Father God, I love you. And I know that I am only the person I am because you have been my heavenly father. Because you have guided me and you have directed me and you have put me in the places that I need to be in my life because of my conversation with you. God, I know that like many of us, my conversations aren't always great or eloquent or perfect. But help me to have them more often. See you in your name we pray. Amen.